Hello and welcome to a special Match of the Year podcast episode. This is a should-have-been Match of the Year podcast. And this year we're looking at a very important match. When you compare it to almost anything else of its era. And that is, from Starcade 1985, Tully Blanchard versus Magnum TA, Steel Cage I Quit Match. Now... I kind of have to set the table for this because the time was very, very different. Uh, 1985, WWF at the point was on absolute fire. WrestleMania had already happened, the first one. Uh, Hogan was drawing huge crowds all over the country. Uh, Big money everywhere. Uh, In the Carolinas and in Atlanta, you had Jim Crockett promotions, uh, which was pretty much what a lot of folks thought the NWA was. Uh, was what you were seeing on TBS. There had been the failed uh, attempt by Vince McMahon to run on TBS. Uh, it just didn't catch on, and pretty much everyone else uh, came back. Here you have two wrestlers who are at a very interesting point in their careers. Magnum TA, hugely popular babyface, uh, had just been absolutely great, had worked for... Crockett had worked for Watts and was huge. He was, I wouldn't say he rivaled Hogan. He certainly did rival Dusty Rhodes um, and perhaps even surpassed him for a while. He was a great face. I don't know if I could say he was a great worker. Um, I honestly haven't seen enough of his matches to say if whether or not he was great the ones that I have seen had a wonderful match against Kamala. Uh, I've seen a couple of his matches against Nikita Koloff, and he was sort of working with a stiff, so it's hard to judge. Uh, I think I saw one with Wah- against Wahoo that was really good. Uh, he was solid, a very solid guy from everything I've seen. But he was hugely over, massively over, particularly with the women. Uh, I think he would be only behind Kerry Von Erich in the aspect of uh, a wrestler who was really... Hot with the women, honestly. Uh, Tully Blanchard was the son of a promoter, Joe Blanchard. Uh, had been pushed in Texas. He's He was never going to be World's Heavyweight Champion. There is no doubt about that. He was not... He just physically didn't have the size. He was a really solid worker, a really smart heel worker. Um, there are very, very few wrestlers who are as smart as a heel as he is. I would count him on one hand. I would say Ric Flair. Arn Anderson. Uh, you may see his theme here. Uh, you know, in the olden times, uh, both Ray Stevens and Freddie Blassie. Not a lot of folks uh, had that power to work as a heel as he did and just draw copious amounts of hate heat. So good. Uh, so they had been feuding off and on over the U.S. title, and that's a perfect title for Blanchard. It's interesting that Magnum was not as much in the world title hunt as he was in the U.S., the television title, that sort of range. He was obviously being groomed for big things, and I think more than likely he would have eventually not only gotten the NWA title, uh, probably with a good feud from with Flair, uh, 
and I would have said 1980, late 86, early 87 for that. Uh, but he probably would have had a run in the WWF. Uh, who knows if that would have succeeded or not. But it was a very interesting place. Uh, this is the peak, I would say, of Magnum's drawing power as a face. And I think Tully was not quite where he would be two years down the line, once he got the horsemen full-time. And once, you know, he had... The team of Tully and Arn were brilliant. They played off each other brilliantly. Uh, in a way, he sort of presented himself as a miniature flair. And even here you see that when he has Baby Doll, his perfect ten. The match is intensity itself. There's there's less wrestling in this than almost any other match I could think of from that era that was really top-notch. It was a brawl, just plain and simple. Messy, ugly brawl. Um, and not ugly in that they weren't doing well. It was ugly in that they were presenting a hate-intensity brawl, not unlike uh, Slaughter versus Patterson, the first match of the year we did, but... It was visceral. I mean, less than five minutes in, and Tully sends Magnum into the fence, and he blades, and it's it becomes a pretty substantial blade job. Uh, later, Tully uh, blades his arm, and it's it's kind of gross. Uh, they it's a double juice match, and it's just it's punching, it's kicking, it's it's a powerful match. When you think about a, num a number of little things, but when you consider it as what it was up against at the time, the prevailing matches at the time were on one half WWF matches, safe, not entirely without blood. Hogan had hit some gushers back in the day, uh, in particular matches with guys like David Schultz, uh, Adrian Adonis uh, early in his reign. Later, most of his big matches had him bleeding to one degree or another. But still safe. No no massively violent brawls uh, back in those days. Going to the... What you else were seeing in Crockett, yeah, you were seeing a more violent, bloodier uh, product. Uh, I mean, if you have Ric Flair and Dusty Rhodes uh, working for you, you're gonna have blood. Uh, just plain and simple. But... We hadn't seen things like... Uh, we were seeing the occasional Russian chain match. We had seen the dog collar match between Piper and Valentine at uh, Starcade 83. But you weren't seeing things like this. It was... It was less a wrestling match and more two guys settling a score with a brawl. Um, I really don't think you saw anything like this until the first War Games match beyond. Even some of the other cage matches at the time weren't really weren't really this visceral, didn't have that intensity that really showed in the work. And at one point, it's literally just one of them dragging the other down and punching him a few times and then grabbing the mic to get him to say, I quit. And Tully, God, perfect idea. Uh, you know, trying to get him to say, I quit. Magnum won't quit. So he hits him with the mic and you can hear it. And it's gross because it's wet sounding when he hits just, oh, it, it's a really effective match because, not only because of their 
the hatred that they're managing to get through all of their their movements and such, but because you really sense that everything is being held in because of the cage. And this is actually one of the powers of the cage, is the idea that this is containing it. That at any minute, given the chance, these guys would run as far away as possible from this match, from this pain. And it's painful. It is painful looking. Uh, for the time, it was absolutely brutal. Remember, this is before ECW. This is before uh, the garbage wrestling movement in Japan. This is before we got that sort of intensity brawling. You were, yeah, you had what was happening in Memphis at that point. Uh, you had a lot of the southern brawling. Uh, I don't think Continental uh, in Alabama had started their big... Uh, bloody brawls. Yeah, I mean, they always had them, but I, you know, it was when Dirty White Boy and Tom Pritchard, and when, it, particularly when Eddie Gilbert was booking. So you're you're seeing something that is, I would almost say, cutting edge, and certainly cutting edge for the position it was put in. And oddly, it was put in the middle of the show. Uh, it wasn't an end, and I think that was probably a good idea. I believe the main event was uh, Dusty versus Flair, which you know, how can you argue with that? I believe the match that won in 1985 for the Observer was Flair versus Barry Windham. A good match. A really good match. Um, I think it's a 60-minute Broadway, if I remember correctly. Good. Maybe great. But not... There is not the intensity that there is in this match. And that's, that's sort of where, to me, it falls apart. It hasn't held up as well. As this match. And I think part of that is because Blanchard and Magnum were working a match that wasn't of their time. It wasn't necessarily that it was looking so far ahead, but it was it was completely taking another route on a match that didn't necessarily need to happen in that world. This match would be perfectly, perfectly set if you had seen an ECW in '93. Uh even during maybe the attitude, it's not quite flashy enough for WWF attitude era, but it's, it's, it's intense and it's well done. Uh, the, the end is interesting. Baby doll tosses in a chair, which breaks. And it looked like it was actually a badly doctored chair because when it hits, it starts to break. So it's like, Oh, it was obviously supposed to break. But there's a little forky type thing that Tully grabs and tries to jam it, just jab it into Magnum's eye. And Magnum fights him off. It's absolutely insane to watch because the crowd is just going nuts. There's actually, oh my God, don't do it heat. And the whole match is just hot as hell. Uh, Magnum and Tully just brought it out of the crowd. Well, of course, Magnum gets out, does a couple of punches, grabs the fork uh, as Babydoll was trying to grab it. So that was actually a neat little thing, making it look like it wasn't supposed to be there. But he grabs it away, jabs it into the top of Tully's head, and the crowd explodes. And this is a really interesting point. Here is, I would argue, the ultimate baby phase at that point in Crockett. 
and he has jabbed a jagged piece of wood into the forehead of the main bad guy. And the look on his face is just, I would almost say monstrous. It's, he has snapped. And it's so well done. Uh, they say a good baby face is required to be a great heel at some point. And here, just for a minute, he's a heel. He's a sadistic heel. And it works so well. But the crowd loves him for it, which is the interesting point. After this match, I sort of see this as sort of the last hurrah for Magnum TA. Um, in in 86, he gets in a car accident, nearly dies. It ends his career. He never wrestles again. Uh, he shows up a couple times. He's an announcer for a while. And he's one of those great what-could-have-beens. Uh... Tully does a wonderful bit with uh, does a wonderful bit with the Horseman is really one of the backbones of the Horseman from '86 all the way till I think he leaves in '80 late '88 early '89 uh, goes to WWF with Arn they form the Brainbusters they have a nice little feud with the Rockers. <clears throat> They get hired back to WCW, except for uh, Tilly has a minor problem with cocaine and uh, doesn't end up back, sort of mires around for a bit. Shows up in ECW for a little while, uh, feuds with Shane Douglas, but really, realistically, his career at that point was kind of dead. Uh, and that's sort of the end of it. This match, though you don't see a lot of ripples from, which is weird. And I think part of that is because they were working so far ahead of the curve. Uh, you might see some of it. I think uh, ECW had a couple of things that actually directly reference this, where, you know, someone was getting something jabbed into their eye. But really, you will never replicate the intensity of this match. And it's sad because... You know, it's intense and it's brilliantly done. So that's our first special edition. Uh, hope you enjoyed it. Uh, next week, of course, we're doing the Match of the Year podcast. It's going to be on uh, the Tiger Mask matches with Dynamite Kid, particularly the 83 match, which won Match of the Year from the Wrestling Observer. Uh, we might also have an interview. I'm not entirely sure if we're going to have it next week or maybe the week after. Uh, leading up to a big show uh, Thanksgiving weekend here in Gilroy, which is being headlined by my favorite wrestler in the whole wide world right now, Timothy Thatcher. So, keep listening. Thanks. <laughs>